Smarter Business Finance, episode number 10, asset-based loans using real estate or other business equipment. Are you a small business owner looking to take your skills to the next level? Interested in getting real information about financing business equipment and business loans? Without the worry of getting scammed, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Smarter Business Finance Podcast with your host, Rob Mishaloff. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we're going to talk to a, a good friend of mine and a stellar person in the industry, May Philpott, and she's with a company called Maxim Commercial Capital. And they can help when you need to either get money using some of your assets, or if you need to purchase equipment for your business and you have a sizable down payment or collateral that Without it, you otherwise wouldn't be able to receive any sort of financing. So with that being said, let's get into the interview. So welcome to the show, everyone. Here we have May Philpot of Maxim Commercial Capital to talk to you. And May, uh, could you tell us who is Maxim Commercial Capital? So Maxim is, I love this question, it's an independent asset-backed Secondary commercial finance company, which is a lot of work. So basically, it means we're not bank owned. We're not bank bank owned. Everything we we underwrite is backed by heavy equipment or collateral assets, including potentially real estate. We say we're a secondary commercial finance company because not only are we not bank owned, we are writing underwriting transactions that banks are not willing to underwrite. So there's, there's a second tier. A lot of people don't know that once a bank says no. There's a lot of other bank-type businesses that are happy to put money out for growing other businesses. Great. So when you say heavy equipment and other collateral, like what type of equipment could that be? Okay. So at Maxim, we look specifically at hard assets like construction equipment, title vehicles, and, and not just, you know, your car that you're driving, but work vehicles, like big trucks, work trucks, dump trucks, garbage trucks. We do a lot of manufacturing lines, you know, woodworking equipment, CNC machines, and then, of course, like I mentioned, real estate equity, which is putting liens on personal or commercial business assets. And in a lot of our transactions, you'll see we can we can lien not only business assets but personal assets of the business owners as well. Okay. And so you talk about leaning. What are your requirements? Like what uh, what is somebody – well, first of all, when does somebody know that they're a good fit for somebody like Maxim as opposed to one of the other players in the marketplace? And then secondly, what are the requirements and what do you look for? Okay, so Maxim's main goal is to essentially leverage a customer's assets to help them breakthrough barriers to finance. And what that means is we see our, a typical Maxim customer may even have a really good credit score, but their total profile is not bankable, which we see a ton of what we would call barriers to finance on any given day. It, like I said, it could be low credit score. Customer could have good credit score, but what we call in the industry thin credit, so they may be only have a couple lines of credit, and so even though they paid them, they haven't really shown the ability to pay a lot of people back. Sometimes a barrier to finance is time constraints. You, you see somebody who needs financing now. They know in six months they're going to get this money down the line, 
but they need something now to tide them over or to get what they need to get to that point in six months where they're going to see more money. So sometimes it's time constraints. We see a lot of customers that have tax liens, uh, judgments, past bankruptcies. We've even funded customers that are currently in bankruptcy. One of my favorite transactions that we wrote in the first quarter of this year was a customer that was basically stuck in bankruptcy. The business had a bankruptcy creditor that they couldn't afford to pay off to end the bankruptcy. And what they did was start a new business, and they used our funds to actually buy the business assets of the old business during the bankruptcy auction for the new business. And they were able to do that by leveraging their personal real estate. So even customers that are currently in bankruptcy are have potential with Maxim. You know, they may not be cash flowing. They may have a lot of debt or a really low debt-to-equity ratio. They might be a startup business. We've seen a guy who, another really good one, a fitness guy, who took all his money and put it into buying fitness equipment for a gym he was starting and then realized he didn't have any money for marketing to actually bring clients into the gym. So we see all kinds of customers here. Maxim runs two separate and distinct programs, and the thing that they have in common, of course, is their is the focus on assets. So one program is small ticket, very specifically for owner-operator Class 8 truckers, so those are the guys you see driving down the highway, hauling everything, and that program is asset-focused. It's for customers that are buying a 2008 or newer Class 8 tractor with under 700,000 miles. So more important for us is, is the asset worth the funding, not really is the customer profile that, that's secondary to the asset. And then okay. our second program is what we call business financing, and we can finance all types of equipment for customers as long as we meet our uh, collateral asset underwriting. And like I mentioned, we are, you know, our customer is anybody who's not qualifying for a traditional bank for any number of reasons who has assets. And what what would make a customer come to us versus someone else in the industry that's similar is our pricing is reasonable. Our structures are very flexible as far as term length, as far as pricing goes. And basically, as long as there's assets to lean, we can pretty much underwrite a transaction. Great. So let me ask you, on the business financing program, let's talk about two different transactions. Okay. So let's imagine you have a $100,000 transaction. And it's okay. somebody that's buying dump trucks or or some kind of hard equipment. How much either down payment or collateral would they have to come up with to do that hundred thousand dollar transaction for hard equipment with Maxim? Okay, so that's a great question because this the answer to this question is the crux of our entire program on this side. So basically, if a customer is buying a hundred thousand dollars in what we would call qualified collateral assets, we're going to look for an additional 100000 in additional collateral to back the transaction so that the total amount of collateral that we have, including the qualifying collateral they're buying, is, is worth twice the funding amount. So we would have 200000 in total assets in order to do $100,000 funding outlay. The, the thing about that is this particular example, you have a customer buying qualifying assets or assets that we would be interested in putting a lien on. We, you know, in something like the gym example, we have no interest in leaning gym equipment because it just really doesn't have good resale value. You can't really repossess it and then try and resell it and, and expect to get more than pennies on the dollar. Right. So 
In that example, if somebody wanted 100,000 in gym equipment, they would need 200,000 in additional collateral. So that the total is still 200,000 total collateral for $100,000 funding outweigh. If customers, you can do it with, if you have enough collateral, you can do it with no money down, which is great. There are some doc fees or some startup costs that we have. Uh, all that's outlined, though, in every contract, and they vary based on the structure of the transaction. But I will say this, if you do want to put money down, it will mean that you need less collateral because of this two-to-one collateral to funding. For every dollar down, that's $2 less of collateral you need. So in the case of the $100,000 dump truck, if a customer has 50000 to put down on that 100000 in dump trucks, they won't need any additional collateral because now we're buying the 100000 in assets and it's only costing us or our funding outlay is only $50,000. So we're at two to one there. And and we can definitely do a combination. You know, maybe somebody puts 25000 down. Now we're funding 75000 We have 100000 in what we're funding. So we only need another 50000 in additional collateral to total 150000 in assets for $75,000 outlay. So it's really about that two-to-one collateral-to-funding ratio in the business financing program. Cool, cool. And so you mentioned rates. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. What are your rates? So our rates are, well, our effective rates in both programs range anywhere from the mid-teens up into the high 30s. And these are effective rates, when I say effective rates, it's because we're not writing loans with real interest rates. Our contracts are generally EFAs, which are equipment finance agreements, and they look more like rental agreements. So it's essentially a customer is paying a set price over a set term for the use of these funds. And with that model, once somebody gets a payment in the term, they can obviously back into a rate using any online mortgage calculator. That, that that's an effective APR. That's not what the yeah, and it's not necessarily the rate that's listed on the contract because again they don't have real rates and interest. It's a, a real rates and principal. It's a set term over a, a set payment over a set term. Okay, and so let me ask you because it's it's funny. It's it's a question anybody that's not doing bankable credits in the industry has to answer a, a lot of a lot of times, and we hope that. Uh, the customers are getting the correct answer and not some some BS. But, you know, for instance, you take somebody with a lower credit score and you show them a, a rate in the 30s, and a lot of times they get angry. So, I mean, are we loan sharks or what? So I, I say it's a question of perspective. Obviously, I think not. So a little bit about me. I'm the business development director at Maxim, but I have been in this higher risk, financing product for a little over 12 years now. I've been Maxim just over three years. Okay. And what what I have seen, especially since my 12 years encompasses that uh, economic crash of 2008-2009, is that we are giving real American businesses real opportunity to start, to recover, and to grow. And I've seen, I've seen it work successfully hundreds of times. So are we loan sharks? I would say not at all. Uh, you know, we don't force anyone into a contract. What we do is give them an opportunity that they wouldn't otherwise have. You know, I mentioned that we're helping them break through these barriers to finance. Those barriers to finance are also the things that are keeping them from – they're the barriers. They're the, the high-risk things that are keeping them from qualifying at traditional banks. So if the customer isn't going to qualify at a bank, 
Now they're going to a secondary source. And while the risk is real, so the pricing is higher, obviously pricing reflects that risk, but it's also a real opportunity. And I think Americans tend to misfocus on rate because they're not looking at the price of the opportunity. Is it worth it? Versus they're looking at rate, which is kind of arbitrary because it's not, this isn't an investment where you're just putting your money to sit. You're making your money work. So is this money going to work for you? Is this going to grow for you? Is this going to move your business? A really good customer that we have at our company, they've actually taken six times now. They got hit in 2008 very hard. They ended up with a half a million dollar tax claim, which just killed them. They had to cut back staff. They had to cut back. I mean, they had to cut back everything. And essentially, they knew how to run a business. It was already a 20-year-old business at the time. They were, or they are, let me say this, they're still in business. They have taken over six contracts with us since that time for a total of just under $3 million. But over those contracts, what they have done is they've rebuilt their business. They just needed somebody to give them a chance to recover because they knew what to do. And because they're an excavation company, they had a ton of assets that we were able to put liens on in order to do the funding for them and get them more assets and more capital. Now I talked to the owner just a couple weeks ago, and she'll tell you they have the tax claim down to $30,000, which is incredible. They have now made more profit last year than they ever made in any years prior to the economic crash. They made over $1.5 million last year, and they have more staff than ever. They have 18 full-time employees now. So they are doing incredibly well. They know that they paid a higher price, if you want to call it rate. They know that it costs more than somebody with good credit, but they needed it. And what it did for their business was it turned them around completely. It rebuilt the entire business. And personally, you know, they now have a lake house. They have an RV. She is excited to say first grandkids on the way. And they're doing wonderfully, and they've had their shot at the American dream. And so if you ask me if I'm a loan shark, no, I'm rebuilding America. But if you ask somebody who's focusing on rate, well, that's a different question. But I don't necessarily think that rate is any marker of the real opportunity in these offers. Great. So another thing I want to ask about or probably mention is a thing that's unique, or not necessarily unique, but it's rare in the industry about your program is that most equipment leasing contracts do not actually provide any discounts for paying it off early, whereas in your company's case, I believe the customers can get a huge discount if they, you know, let's say they do a five-year term and they pay it off in 12 months. And it's not, you can't say no prepayment penalty because it's not a loan. But can you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah. So we have actually, the two different programs have, again, I mentioned two separate underwriting guidelines and actually two separate payoff discounts. Okay. In our owner-operator program, so the truck financing program, if a customer pays on time for 12 months, they can pay out for basically what looks like a principal balance, but it's not because, again, there's no interest in principal, but it's what we would call net investment in the contract. 
Okay. So they would get a tremendous discount. You're talking, you know, 30 to 40 percent off the remaining stream of payment. Okay. Whereas in the business financing program, it's calculated a little bit differently, but a customer can actually pay off at any time during the contract. Some contracts, you know, customers know, like I mentioned, they know they're going to have money coming in, or they have a contract that's going to pay after uh, a certain amount of time. And in those contracts, we may pre-negotiate the payoff, but in the ones where it's not pre-negotiated, a customer can pay off at what we would call a 10% discount rate. So we essentially look at the, the remaining payment and we treat them as if the contract was written at a 10% rate versus versus the implied or effective rate that it was written at. And then that customer can pay off for that amount. Great. So. Great. Mm-hmm. So because you've been in the industry a while, um, one thing I like to ask, any crazy stories? <laughs> Uh, depends. Depends what you call crazy. Okay. <laughs> we've had we've had some really crazy repos. Obviously, because we're an asset company, our goal is definitely to help customers, you know, move on, move up, rebuild their businesses. But and and our underwriting model actually really promotes that because we secure our contracts with assets. So we we believe the customers one have enough assets to cover the cost of the financing should they not be able to pay. But two, we're not going to underwrite a transaction if we don't think they can make the payments. It doesn't, I mean, we're not trying to recover the equipment. We're, we're on the banking side of it, not the recovery side. Sure. But we've had some really crazy recoveries because obviously there's a lot of assets involved. Um, we had one recovery where, we have one recovery where we got a customer who we had installed a, a GPS device in his truck and he was going to the dealership to pick it up the next day. And the dealer had taken it out of the off the lot that was gated and moved it to the front of the lot, washed it, cleaned it up, had it ready to roll. And the next day, the customer got to the lot, and the truck wasn't there. Oh. And and every took about two hours for everybody on the lot because everybody said, "Oh, you know, check with Bob, check with Joe. Could have moved it here." And they realized the truck was missing. Well, the good news was we had installed a GPS unit the night before. Right. So, and, and this is a great one because this is in Fontana, California, which is sometimes known as Dealer Row. Uh, it's, there's a ton of truck dealers and there's also, of course, a ton of, you know, black market truck things happening down there. Sure. So we call, we, you know, ping the GPS, we find out the truck is literally less than a mile away around the block in, in this warehouse. Trace the truck to the warehouse, go in with the cops, go in to find the truck and Find the find out that it's actually a big rig chop shop. Our <laughs> truck was actually up on blocks, so they were already pulling this truck apart. But on top of that, it was lunch break for the I don't know what you call them, the chopper. Yeah. Uh, so we we walk in with the cop. The guy's on lunch break. They so they literally cop him. He can't call anybody, and for the next eight hours. The police did stand there and wait, and everybody who walks in there gets arrested. And we took down an entire ring of truck chop shoppers because of this one GPS. This just it worked out really well in the end. But and of course, you know, the truck is covered in it with insurance, and we were able to get this customer into a different truck while they recovered all the parts. But it was it was one of our better stories as far as recovery goes. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. So <laughs> uh, let me ask you, so if someone's wanting to do business with Maxim, well, first of all, 
do they contact Maxim directly or do you only work with brokers or how does that work? So on our trucking program, we do some direct business with through dealership. So we don't actually have customers contact us directly either way. Either their dealer contacts us. In general, though, most of our trucking transactions and all of our business financing transactions come through independent finance brokers. Okay. Uh, we really rely on that network. Okay. And so how many how many brokers do you deal with? We I would say actively. We probably have about 150. Okay. Um, and then there's no one-off guys that we may see. I mean, we, we, we are in contact with over 2,000 on any given, you know, any given mailing or, or marketing piece. We have at least 2,000 in the, in the email list, but I would say about 150 stay active. I, I didn't even know there were 2,000 brokers. There's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of independent brokers out there and they, you know, they all have different areas of expertise. Are the ones that really know our program inside and out are, are and I get it. There's a lot of programs to know, but there's probably about 25 that really know our program well and can move a deal or a transaction through our company really quickly. Gotcha. And so, if someone's brand new in the business, can they work with you, or do you need like you know? I, I know most places either require you to really sell them or you have to have two or sometimes even five or more years of experience before they'll look at you. So we definitely work with new brokers and experienced brokers, obviously. For us, it's more about, you know, can you check your rate fears out the door? Because what, what I found out is the, the biggest problem in the majority of our transactions of customers really do see the opportunity most of the time. You know, they they may be a little bit afraid of the rate, but when, when they realize that focusing on the rate is ridiculous because their rate of return is, you know, over a thousand percent, if they just make the payments and they make their money and they get their business going, you know, they start focusing on the real opportunities there. The problem a lot becomes, uh, particularly new brokers who are coming from real estate side. A lot of them come from real estate into the finance market. Yeah. And they're used to a 4% mortgage, and they can't see the forest for the trees. So as long as they're willing to check the fear at the door and overcome their personal objections to whatever they think is an injustice and really understand the product and how is it a growth opportunity for these customers, we're happy to work with them. You know, I really try to discourage brokers who come in with the attitude that what Maxim is offering is the best a customer can get. I don't think that it's a good sales pitch. And, frankly, if I was a customer and I had a finance professional tell me that this was the best offer I was going to get, I wouldn't be that interested in it. Okay. But a, a broker who understands finance and who can show and truly demonstrate to a customer that this is a good opportunity for their business this is a chance for them to grow, to improve their credit, to pay their bills, to distance themselves from that bankruptcy. Those bro- brokers, we say, welcome to the team. Gotcha. So it's it's about helping your customers understand the benefits as opposed to just telling them features is, is essentially what you're saying. Absolutely. There's, because there's, there's real benefit in the product if you choose to see it and if you choose to focus on you're going to get caught up in it's never going to close. You're going to get caught up in in just circles around nothing. And and our our product isn't changing. 
you know, it is what it is. And so we're, we're looking for people who can understand the product and, again, see the real opportunity and benefits to your customers in that product. Gotcha. So other than being able to, to talk successfully with their customers, I mean, since you deal with so many different brokers, just because I know a, a few brokers uh, listen to the podcast, can you share some qualities that you see in the, the very best brokers that you deal with? Absolutely. One is uh, just patience and, and understanding and the ability to listen, which I guess is three and not one quality, but a customer, a, a broker who will talk to their customer and listen to them, understand the story, and really understand what they're looking for in a product is is a successful broker. And the reason why a broker's job is to, I always say this to my brokers, is be better than a Google search. Understand your banks, understand your customer, understand the underwriting, understand the submission. So being this bank of knowledge that, that is specialized in this in finance and the successful brokers can do that and they really take the time to understand their customers and what that means is you know customer may come in and request with oh, I have a good story for this okay. customer we had a customer come in with a seventy thousand dollar request and he was looking for just some furniture FF&E furniture fixture I don't remember what E is for equipment yeah, FF&E for yeah. a university bookstore. Okay. And he he wanted $70,000 to tide him over the summer. He knew when the kids came back in September, he would make plenty of money. And we we got the request from the broker. It was $70,000. Then we did a customer interview. We looked at the complete package, which was great. We did get a complete submission from the broker. And we realized this customer had had a ton of real estate that we could leverage. But beyond that, he had debt up to his eyeballs. He had huh. five different cash advance loans. He had maxed out credit cards. He had um, tax liens that needed to be paid off. The guy was swimming in debt. But what we were able to do by looking at the complete transaction, talking to the customer, understanding the whole picture, we wrote the customer a million-dollar transaction where Instantly, and I mean instantly, as soon as we funded the million and we restructured all this debt and paid off these loans, and mind you, now he's carrying a million in debt with us, but we have changed his cash flow position where he was instantly making $5,000 more a month just, wow. by, just by looking at the whole picture. So, you know, a business owner knows their business, but they don't necessarily know finance, and that's really where brokers add value. They know finance. So when a customer comes to your broker, a, a successful broker is able to say, you're asking for this because you think you can get it, but let me show you this because this is the right fit. And that's what we're always looking for is a, a broker who understands the broad broad products and financing and what's available out there and what is truly the right fit for a customer. Right. Awesome. So anything else to share that would make somebody's day better that uh... – before we be, before we end, well, I wanted to talk about we we um you know as a business development director at Maxim, I do occasionally create some uh, articles or pieces that are hopefully helpful to our brokers and to clients as far as understanding you know various aspects of financing and the product. And one of the things that we're talking about soon is 
a, you know, the idea of rate versus opportunity, just because people have become so focused on rate that, again, I've mentioned this so many times already, they, they kind of don't see the opportunity because they're focusing on this arbitrary number and they're missing, you know, what are the real benefits of the opportunity. And one of the things that we're talking about in this upcoming article is I've essentially dissected a weekend beach rental that I took my kids to the beach for a weekend. And like something like this where we I pay $1,200 for three days at a beach house. Mm. That beach house, that condo that we stayed in is actually for sale for $250,000. And while I don't have $250,000 today, I did have $1,200. But when you compare, you know, $1,200 for the three days, when you compare the price that I was paying, if I paid that like a 30-year mortgage, it would have been, you know, a thousand times or a thousand percent rate, essentially. I would have paid over $4 million if I paid $1,200 every three days sure. for 30 years. So, but did it make sense for me? I, I don't care that it's a, a thousand percent rate or even a 50% rate. I, I looked at it. It was just what I needed. I didn't have, you know, 40 days to find the property and, you know, fi- procure financing and go through escrow and, Find a mortgage, and then after I was done those next three, after three days of use, I didn't have time to sell it and put it back on the market, clean it up. The that price for me made sense, and that's kind of the idea that I, you know we're hoping to push in this article is that if the price makes sense, it doesn't matter what the rate is. So we really hope that you know what people take away from our conversation today is that they that you know you can have a great opportunity regardless of the rate when you know how to capitalize on it and, and when you can see that it really is going to move your business and you personally forward. So, yeah. Great. So it's it's the utility that the asset provides over that period of time rather than like when we're used to looking at car loans and it says you're, you know, you have your this interest rate of 3.2% or whatever it is these days that gets cars off the lot. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. So, um, yeah. oh, I looked at the, oh, I was going to say, I looked at the car rental. Same, same idea. I paid $476 for three days of a, it says Nissan Armada. We needed like a big SUV yeah. to carry all our gear to the beach. That I looked at the MSRP on that car base, 2016, is $39,000. So if I had a bad car loan, like 10% over 36 months, that $476 I paid would have um, been already four times what my car payment would have been. So you're talking the opportunity was real for me. I didn't need the car for 36 months. I needed it for three days. Sure. So it made sense. So same, same idea, though. Car, car rentals, very similar concept. Great. So awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show, May, and I think you'll provide a lot of value to the listeners. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's always a pleasure. You bet. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Smarter Business Finance Podcast with your host, Rob Michela. Online at SmarterFinanceUSA.com, Twitter at SmarterFinanceU, and on Facebook.com slash SmarterFinanceUSA. We'll catch you next time.